right. questions. I was, uh, I was putting uh, Max to sleep, and we're, we're in bed. Um, he's sit, laying down there. I'm sitting next to him. He's getting tired. And he goes, Dad. Yeah. And this is, I'm, this is like very late, so I'm like fucking ready for him to go to sleep. He's like, are the Illuminati real? <laughs> oh, my God. Stop it. <laughs> this is true. And I go, wait. Did the what? Curb Your Enthusiasm? What YouTube channel did you find? Hello, friends. Welcome, everyone out there, ladies, gentlemen, and enemies, to another Watery Desho episode. Is a stream of thought for keep your hands, keep your hands, your hands off Azoken. Uh, thanks, that episode Bane. six. <laughs> Was that Banish? Keep thine hands off Azoken. Yeah, actually, you're um, right. Although you didn't sound anywhere near as nasally or like you were hops up on inhalers. Mm, I have to work on that one. Um, yeah. I'm the subtle doctor uh, at the subtle doctor on Twitter. If you see me, and below on your screen is my good friend, the hardest working man in pod business. It's Shadon. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I apologize in advance for my usual blend of bullshit being a little worse today because I don't know if you know, but I recently escaped from Microsoft Excel hell. You know, <sighs> it was quite the thing. Um, working on a spreadsheet, doing just menial data entry shit for a solid two hours straight, I literally felt like I was drugged. And then I came out of it, I had to take a solid two minute breather, I was just like, it, it was not pleasant. Um, I know Did that, you have to oxygenate so, your brain? You know, I, no, that's the second like most relevant Azakin comparison for how I felt. The first would be Asakusa's like, you know, uh, Ars- because uh sorry i'm gonna try and pronounce the name properly this time i really am gonna try i insist but <laughs> but um i am actually thinking more of her you know coming out from under the desk and bedhead you know like where it's all about the finished products that's right that is yeah that, that was basically me just minus hair i had pretty much the exact same facial expression i may actually get someone to do fan art of me looking like that at some <sighs> point just so i could have it as a twitter icon i think it would go well it'd last me a year a big mood perpetual mood if you will perpetual mood mm-hmm. you know e- even though i already knew what you were like talking about the fact that you said microsoft x cell was not the thing immediately my brain went to because when someone's saying microsoft <laughs> x they're going to be talking about the box they're going to be talking about something to do with the fucking game and i thought you were about to regale me with stories yeah of, like, i'm sorry i was playing right you know. son of rome for work god what a <laughs> dog shit that was <laughs> Oh, uh, imagine a third person. Red Ring action, of Death stories. Yeah, imagine a third person action brawler that is about as you know interesting and fresh to play as I don't know, eating wallpaper paste. Yeah. Why do Why do people buy consoles when they first come out anymore? I because don't because people are morons. Like I've got no seriously. Like I've got no sympathy for people who do that. Don't bother. Why? Why? Why, why, why do you spend want... a premium for less? Yeah, for like a library of like nine out of ten 
or actually 90% of the library is going to be like forgettable bad Gran things. Turismo! Woo! Like, well, there's a, there's a good example, you know what I mean? But like most of the time it's like... another racing game that plays exactly the same <laughs> as the previous one. Great. You're going to have people mad I, I love, I love making like, my cars look a little bit more high depth. These things that aren't actually real and that I will never own. Ugh. So many people like just want to rush to market, you know what I mean? And they're like, ah, like if we are one of the seven games that are out, people will buy our game. It doesn't have to be particularly finished or very good most of the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I much prefer waiting, gosh, a year at least is, is how it's gone for... I, in fact, I, I waited till the very end of the PS3's life cycle to get a PS3, and it was dirt cheap, and I had a ton of games to play through. Um, <laughs> Good thinking, so, Matt. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I can't think... I guess... I guess when the PS4 came out, like, I mean, Resogun was cool, but, like, do you really want to pay, like, 400 bucks for the privilege of paying Resogun when it came <laughs> when it came out you know and i like resogun i really do but you know i don't even know what that is i just got my ps4 (laughs) listen it's it's a housemark game it's a it's a a shmuppy arcade shooter that's cool housemark is good it's flying we have a very how appropriate we we have a how shall i say We we currently have um we currently have a, a close five year long, almost five year long this December relationship with Housemark. I'll just okay. say that. Oh man. <laughs> um. <and laughs> what about now? What about Knack, Yukinon? <laughs> to be fair, I haven't played Knack, but I've heard enough people talk shit about Knack. I ain't got shit on that one, man. I've never I've never mm. touched that. Oh boy. Well, let's. Talk less about video games from 2013 and more <laughs> about Azoken, episode six. But first, before we open the book on episode six, we're going to close the book on episode five, particularly the polls that you all participated in. Mm-hmm. Shadon, can you update us on the results of those? It polls? would be my pleasure, my friend. Right, ladies, gentlemen, enemies, let's take it away. Azoken, episode five, poll number one. Did Asuka's rescuing the Azekin from the sewer really happen? 84% of you said, yup, it did. She she totally, you know, totally made like Bionic Commando. Got them all out there, no problem. Fantastic, love it. 60% said, nah, greatest world. All just a figment of your imagination. But I'm afraid you're in the minority on that one. You know, in this case, you know, the democracy has spoken and democracy has never been wrong. <coughs> Excuse me. Never. Moving on. Not, not uh, even last week <laughs> no yesterday more than likely <laughs> yeah you know shit's got a short shelf life anyway uh episode five poll number two is there anything kanamori can't do and funnily enough i think this episode actually answers it just a tiny little bit <laughs> yeah um 58 you said nothing do anything she's a god you know maybe maybe i might agree on that i might agree i mean i certainly wouldn't challenge her not a fist fire or anything. I mean, I reckon she's handy with a knife. Forty-two uh, percent said solve the cri- me... the climate crisis. Man, I was a dark right. one. That dog. You, that, you, I know. You... <laughs> I was. I was feeling a little dark. Uh, feeling a little edgy at the time. Channeling my inner Hubert. Um, You've been on four chan lately. No, I but Fire Emblem, Three Houses, Hubert. 
Um, but, uh, oh shit. Uh, oh, I was going to say, even if you got, if you challenged Kanemori and you got, you know, lucky, say, you, you got the, the victory in the moment, you would not win the war. It nope. would come back upon you tenfold nope, <laughs> in the night. <laughs> you know you know what's funny, though? I want you all to keep in mind the fact that, you know, we have been making many a joke as the show has progressed about Kanamori, and that comes to a head somewhat in this episode, which we will discuss later, but I'm going to save that. So, moving on, poll number three. Do you need the juice? I'm not going to give you context for this. You can just make up your own. You can imagine, like, hell, you can even go listen to the podcast and get the context from there. Or you can just make it up. What juice all are we context- talking about? All contexts are valid. We on OJ? Could be OJ. I don't know. Whatever you think is correct. (laughs) 73% of you said, yes, you do need the juice, and I hope you've actually sawed it since then. It's been a week. Come on. Go to the shops. Just saying. Get your juice. You gotta get it. Uh, 27% of you said, nope, you're you're very hydrated. You're sated. Very good. Very good. Uh, Episode 5, poll number 4. Who is actually more annoying and... You know... It's not often I say this, but there is one very definitive wrong answer in this uh, poll here. Mm-hmm. And I will be seeing all of you who selected this after class. Wait a minute. This is not 100%? No, it is not. You're kidding me. Unbelievable. Honestly. Wow. I'm very surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely I'm, surprised. I'm, I'm like, I'm not angry. I'm just <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> right. I'm just saying. Thanks, Dad. So, yeah. who is actually more annoying? 10% of you, because, you know, it's your God-given right to be wrong. You know, I'm not going to be grudgy for that. Uh, you said the Azerkin. Uh, again, see me after class. I'll be getting my red Sharpie out. Uh, 90% you said the Robot Club, because, you know, you're right. You're you can, right. you know, you can look out your window and tell that water is wet, as you're so often fond of, Yeah. you know, saying, should I? Very much so. Justice for Mecca Jesus. <laughs> he doesn't even have the facial hair. How can he be Mecca Jesus? Oh, dear. All right. So, episode five. Mecca Jesus five. pre-puberty. <laughs> okay. It, it was it was a rust, old rusty testament, you know. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, do you fear the pistol shrimp? And believe me, if you've taken your time to research this on YouTube, uh, be grateful that there isn't a giant kaiju version of this because... Shit be Rex. Shit be Rex. Uh, 47% you said, ah! and then 53% you said, no. Wait. Yeah. Ah! Ah! <laughs> yeah, exactly. I might have had a lot of sugar prior to this, so I apologize for more hyperactive than I usually am. But yeah, uh, I think you're all pretty much agreement there. One does not idly mm. take on the pistol shrimp. Not even in a gunfight. Anyway, that's pistol the post. So not thank to you be very much. With. Thank you as always for taking part, everyone. I really appreciate it. There'll be more of them coming from yours truly, mixing some serious questions, some more goofy ones as we go along. I'll be eager to see what you all put in for it. Anyway, I'm going to toss the baton over to Doc up here. Uh, I wish we had that kind of like setup where I could just like literally throw a ball up and then you had the same one and pick. So we'll have to make that That'd work. That would be amazing. We'll, we'll have we to make the, We should do that. Getting up, uh, buying identical balls. I mean, oh. wait a minute. That didn't sound... Right. Toy spheres of, for... Pl- Wait a minute. No, that doesn't... No. <sighs> uh, well, Doc, you've got a career ahead of you in deep earth excavation because you really digged yourself a great hole there. I mean, dug yourself a great hole, but still. 
Good try, though. Good Toys try. for adults that are like us. You could, no, you could stop now. Really, don't. <laughs> no, children. No, no. 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 Yeah, must stop now. Ha, can you, what's the end, what's the center of the earth like right now, Doc? I mean, you just made it there. It's getting a little toasty. Okay. Segway. That the guilty crown boy is riding right into Azokin episode six. Let's do a bitter, a uh, bitter. Oh my god. I'm up for a bit. Yeah, if you're buying, get me around it. <sighs> Okay. <laughs> New York, unique. New York, unique. Vocal exercises. <sighs> Let's do better than last time. Or, Zensaku yori shin posuru beshi. That's a that long word that shimposhiru uh, beshi is very very long. That's a that's a hard one to read out loud. <laughs> but um, so before we talk about the plot summary, we'll just highlight a couple of the creatives. Apart from Yuasa-san, who is uh, masterfully inhabiting the director's chair, uh, so we've got two uh, episode directors here: um, Maru Ogawa and Sumito Sasaki. I could not find anything on Ogawa-san. Um, Googled and Googled the name plus, you know, Anime News Network or something like that. Couldn't really find anything. But um, but Sasaki has uh, a really, really long resume. Uh, Sasaki has been an episode director for a ton of shit. Um, sometimes a unit director. Uh, occasionally doing a storyboard, but it doesn't really look like they've got to um, sort of creatively helm any projects. I don't know if that is by their choice or or what, but um, but yeah, they've they look to be like directing a handful of episodes mm. in various things here. I mean, we're now six episodes in, and from my memory of what you and I have discussed about the creatives, a lot of them who are doing ASIC at the moment are people who don't really have long or story resumes like the most i mean i think you asked himself probably has combined more credits and you know in fame if you will than everyone else puts together thus far as actually works on the episodes and i don't know if that's intentional on science sarah's part and that this is literally the people we have and we didn't plan for this but at the same time how finny is it that we have people who have limited and i don't mean that in a negative way uh, no just, sure but, but limited you know experience working in direction and production such actually helping create this show that is about people who have very mm-hmm. limited experience in production yes. and creation of anime i mean it's very good it's, it's very fitting isn't it it works it really does it really does but just to list off a few credits for um for sasaki-san you know we've got uh uh no game no life Ooh. I think that that just came to Netflix. You know, and... I've I've only seen one episode of that show, and I didn't watch any more of it because I didn't care about the plot uh-huh. in the slightest. I mean, it's, that's technically an East Sky, I suppose, but I uh, I know it's meant to be more like of an in jokey kind of thing. I don't really. Know, but I will say this: it's visually very striking that show. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Bringing, you know what? Like as much as I say, limited experience. Like if that's the thing you're bringing to the table for a show like Azakin. 
which is very much about other worlds or the Grace's world, if you will, mm-hmm. but things that you know are very different and are abstract. Not a bad show, in my opinion. You know. Yeah, yeah, but this person has has directed a lot of different kinds of things that are of varying quality. But there's a lot of good stuff, like um, from your sports anime, like the new Captain Subasa and um, Inazuma Eleven, um, a season of that. Uh, but there's also stuff on here like um, Garo the Animation, which is uh, a really, really strong uh, anime adaptation of a um, tokusatsu show. And there's stuff on here like uh, Baki, the Netflix oh. version that came out last year. <laughs> um, the wrestling I've gotta, one. Gotta, I've got to give a shout out to Spock, who keeps... T- he's like a, a fine game player I know who's been in our chat in one of our previous season episodes and he keeps mm-hmm. telling me to watch that and i swear blind i never get around to it even though it has the most amazing like i like shit in it like there's a guy in it who just literally the united states makes a pre- peace treaty with him specifically because yes. he's just that dangerous. i'm like you, if you I, I know that i'm bad at watching shows when i'm prompted to do so by others i know that i'm kind of lax on that point but jesus christ like how what else do you need? What else would you tell someone to make them watch Baki other than that that's a thing? That this guy is so fucking deadly that they had to make a treaty with him, the person. I know. Incredible. Fuck Incredible sake. stuff. It's, it's great. It's great. But like that Naruto Shippuden on here, storyboarder and mm. episode director for multiple episodes, Natsume Yujin Choroku, very liked property in our discord nisekoi bake monogatari or uh not bake but <clears throat> excuse me the second monogatari see the the second series uh second the below okay this is a mouthful monogatari series second season episodes 2 10 and 22 uh, again <clears throat> so another very abstract episodes. show like the more yeah. you get, the more you mention this guy, like as much as I say limited quotes unquote, for those of you who maybe listen to this in podcast form, yes, the air quotes are massive. No. This this guy yeah. this guy knows his shit, and on top of that, he knows like this kind of like aesthetic that suits his oaken really well. And uh Shinometa, a favorite show of yours. Oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> directed episode five of that. Um Man, so, I never like actually I said, finished all over that. The place. And oh I, really? I oh, really, wow, okay. I really should because Shinometa is. <sighs> you you should Omega finish it. Anyway, I never I'll, met I'll, a guy. I'll leave, I oh god. <laughs> I'll, I'll, like... I'll leave that discussion for, about Shinometa for a different time because I could probably be here for hours talking about why it's extremely problematic, but also incredibly brave, and you know. I'm proud of it doing what it did in a sense, but right. we'll we'll uh, we'll table that one for a different time, if you will. Uh, and just because uh, you, to to make Yukidon happy, um, oh, no. the the person who was um, how do you call I'm, it? I'm just gonna do uh, this now the... because it'll just save you having to do it later. Because I know where this is going. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, do you? Well, okay. Well, let me ask you. Where do you think it's going? Oh, it's going to give me the kiss of death, if you know what I mean. No, no, no. He just is always the one saying, hey, the end card. Uh, and I just wanted to say, Eri Kinoshita did the end card. 
And uh, oh, go- Jesus! Like every time you mention Yukonon's gonna be made happy, I'm just thinking like it's gonna be a it's gonna be a reference to triggers. You know, like uh, how do we oh, put this? oh oh the double X. No, no. <laughs> um, this is um, uh, Kinoshasan worked on. Uh, the CV's very limited. Um, they did some flash animation for Yuasa's You Over the Wall movie and some original character design for something called Tabimachi Late Show, which sounds familiar, but I can't place it in my mind. So I am looking at it. It is a 2016 show, the Tabimachi Late Show. Uh, it's an anthology collection of short slice of life stories. Interesting. Hmm. Um, I don't know why that's sticking in my brain as a thing, but um, anyway, so that's those are some of the folks who contributed to this episode. Um, now, uh, she's an animator and also did parts for the opening of Azuken. Uh, is it, Yukinon? Are we talking about uh, Kinoshita? Um, unfortunately, I just closed it. Yep. Okay. Yes, you're right. So she did it. She was an animation director for episode four. Uh, which is super good. And you're right. Uh, she got the work on the opening in addition to the end card. So, yes. Cheers, um, Chief. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so, are you so, ready now to get cracking on oh, yeah. the sixth episode? Do better next time. All right. Six episodes. Does it not make you sad that we're already halfway through this? It does. Like, I mean... There's parts this year that I very I much think wanted. About yeah, I know. There's parts this year that I very much did want to flush down the toilet, and they're gone. You know, <laughs> already. But, right. but this is not necessarily one of them. Like, I feel like I'm going to blink, and you and I will be closing out like our discussion of episode twelve, and we'll be like, "Well, that's it. We can just cancel the podcast now. We're done." You know, we don't need to talk about any other anime because we peaked. <laughs> we peaked. Yeah, that's anime it. has peaked. Not not just us. We probably peaked ages ago, but anime has peaked. <laughs> Um, I peaked in 2004, long before the pocket. No, um, <laughs> chicken episode six. The look on your face was incredible. I really enjoyed that. Um, uh, all right, so uh, the episode begins uh, when our ladies are brainstorming, they're planning, uh, working out exactly how they're going to make this OAV, this full OAV for the robot club um and before i believe last week we were under the impression and folks in our chat were as well that it was an opening like a a, not an opening sorry but a a pv um just a promotional video for the Mm. robot no it's a it's a whole ass anime so it's the whole buffalo well welcome back uh into the discussion workplace problems and crunch and all of this oh Uh, boy they're on the table but uh, well, I should just get out in front immediately that I don't have anything really to say about those this episode because if you'll recall my criticisms about that sort of thing last time mm. were really about the the show's um, attitude towards it and seeming... The romanticism, endor- if you will. Yes, uh-huh. The, and the, the endorsement of uh, really giving too much of yourself to something like that that is well you know what's you know what's funny Um, you bringing up your previous criticism and i myself was a bit like you know "Eh, it's fine we'll just wait and see uh everyone uh keep that in your minds because yeah yeah i will be revisiting that later when we discuss talking points Mm -hmm. well so i don't i don't really 
have anything to say about this episode because as I say, like we don't really know how the show is going to come down on it right now, uh, this particular iteration of it. Um, and like you and I all, all often talk about, like it's okay to have um, so much stuff in fiction, um, but kind of what matters, at least to us, is um, is the show like going to comment on it? Are they going to criticize it? Like, what does the show have to say about it? Like, are they endorsing of it? Are they romanticizing it? Question, et cetera, et cetera. A question one they even ask is, can the show comment on it? And you might say, well, yeah, what's stopping it? But just just have a think on that, and I'll come back to that later. Uh-huh. I think the show does a better job of that this episode. It does a good job of it this episode without... um, Like, it does what it can do without, like... I mean, I hear what you're saying. Without, like, kind of ceasing to become, like, this fun comedy story and turning into some sort of documentary or soapbox kind of episode. Like, um, it it takes a shot. Like, it, it, it does a little drive-by on the industry. Pow, pow, pow. Like, uh, it, t- it makes a side swipe and then keeps going. Um, and it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't give the thumbs up to that sort of thing and say like, well, this is the reality, but isn't it all worth it in the end if you get to make anime, if you destroy your body for it or whatever? But anyway, this is a, this is all talk about something that I don't have an opinion of. <laughs> so imagine things I do have opinions about. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, the scope for the project has increased from last time. Uh, so the art club is helping. They're going to help with backgrounds. <laughs> And there's a whole OP that has to be done, for Christ's sake. They have a like an opening song that they have to get the demo of. <laughs> That's gonna be pretty fun. Um, I'm wage- I'm gonna make to you see. a bet. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna wager that they're gonna need to obviously find someone to do a song for it. Uh, I'm reckoning Mizuzaki's gonna be the one who does the singing. Could be. I could see mm, that. Just yeah. Thinking. Just launch her voice acting career. <laughs> I mean, here's my here's my wallet. <laughs> How many times are you going to pull out your wallet? <laughs> this is appearance number two. If- <laughs> this is ten of the great of the Queen's Great British Pound, a currency that's not as worth much as it used to be. Thanks, Great British Public. You done fucks up there. So I'll just uh, casually leave this on my desk for the moment, and we'll see if that comes true or not. I mean, I've made some crazy bets in my time, <clears throat> and not all of them have borne true. But I feel like if they're going to have someone sing the OP, it's got to be a like i hear you felix um so if someone was doing like one of those really fun like uh wikis about us and the waruhi show extended universe one of the characters would be shadan's wallet and it'll be like appearances in episode four azuk <laughs> in episode six. Oh, and there's a like significant part in this scene by the way of Mizuzaki sort of talking about the um the stringent requirements of being a professional animator and this is the side swipe that I'm talking about or that I mentioned earlier because clearly she's not uh she's not a pro animator and I don't think this project is going to ask her to be one or this club should ask her to be one mm-hmm. but so she's sort of saying like you know here, here is what one would have to do 
what, what the sort of skill requirement is, the the industry standard for a pro animator. 500 drawing, what is it, 500 a day? Yep, wearing your hands down to stumps, essentially. I mean, I mean, 500 drawings a day. I mean, how many how many working days? Like, let's Ooh, assume, let's assume to be generous. And I, again, I have some knowledge of the Japanese animation industry in terms of just what is expected and how, like... How your lifeblood yeah exactly um, <laughs> and, the, and the strain it puts on people you know and also the very poor like you know wages and such that people get from it but so okay roll me here folks just as a number four experiment okay you have you usually have in a month anywhere between 20 to 23 working days and that assumes monday to friday let's be generous let's take that up a notch and then let's bring that to include saturdays and then yeah. let's assume you're working at least a 10 hour day if not a 12 and then you've got to do 500 drawings. Does that not seem insane to you? Especially given, again, what we know about how little they're recompensed for it. It's crazy. I can't comprehend doing a single drawing, even with limited skills as I have, in a day. A single no drawing. No. no. And especially not to the point where you're having to then do the <clears throat> sequence, you know, as art that follows, like, you know, from one to the next. You can't, it's not like, you know, say, I mean, I'm not trying to belittle artists here. But let's say, for example, you're doing fan art on Twitter, or even just out of anything like of OCs or, or, or such. You can draw like one post, two post, three post, four post, five post, all different things you want. No problem. Well, I say no problem only as a relative term, but I'm talking right. here drawing like, you know, X amount of frames to link just minute adjustments. Uh, no, 500 a month, um, Felix, is what I meant. 500 a month. That's why I'm mentioning the uh, hours and uh, the days. Do they there. say a month? Or did they say we? I'm fairly. You have the episode. You have the episode. I'm fairly confident it was a month. In fact, I will go back and check while you're doing that. Yeah. Um, Well, you go back and check on that. Uh, So let's see. Where were we? Read the summary. So, like I said, so she's talking about the stringent plight or the yeah five hundred a month. There you go. Okay. Okay. Five hundred a day would be. Impossible. (laughs) Unless unless you're Rob Liefeld, but that's because he he draws shit. Yeah, so I apologize. I think I said 500 a day. That was uh, very incorrect. <laughs> 500 a, a month, which is, um, uh, I guess, like, uh, that's like over 100 a week. So that's still like, you know, God, like, if you're doing 100 and, uh, 125 a week, uh, what is that like? Uh, how many an hour is that? I don't even know. You know what? We could work it out, but I think day. I think yeah. I think in sheer volume, it's still ridiculous. <laughs> it is still a, like it's an. And, awful and again, lot. for something that I wish the show did touch on a little bit, even if not necessarily to great detail, it's just again wages. Your average yeah. animator does not yeah. earn a living wage. Yes, I think that's Simple like that. the better. That's the better point here in this case because I don't really have. Uh, the knowledge to say whether or not 500 drawings a week is like um, is a uh, is a lot in terms of strain on the body or whatever. For it's all a lot I know, a, it's a lot if you're a fucking Starbucks barista and someone's trying to get yeah. you to draw like silly yeah. pictures on the top of your right. coffee cup. But like, never mind pro, an actual animator. <laughs> I well, sure, um, but I, I guess what you're saying is actually the more poignant and effective bit of it is we all know it's hard work but like it might be um you know 
just this side of manageable. If you're an animator, you might can handle it. But the real point is, is for all that hard work, you you get paid. They don't pay a living wage. That's a that's pittance. the point. <laughs> yeah, um, which, like you said, they don't really touch on. Um, so, but maybe maybe we'll see. Maybe that will become a thing. Um, I think kind of is a thing in a way, like which we'll talk about, like with the the whole ramen business. Um, mm, the whole ramen business. The, the whole ramen business. It sounds uh, like a mission for GCA. <laughs> right. So we're going to get there rapidly because uh, in the discussion of the things that they need to make their life more efficient, mm-hmm. comes out that they need a PC uh, in their room so they wouldn't have to travel back and forth to the school's PC room. Kanmori then abruptly gets up and says, right, I'm off. Leaves. Where is she going? I don't know. Uh, well, Asakusa and Mizusaki work the rest of the day. Then they leave. They go to the bus stop. Kanamori is there. Kanamori I have to, says, can I just add? They, they said, wonder where Kanamori is. She's gone home. And I'm like, do you know anything about Kanamori? She does her best work in the dark. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. She has no home. <laughs> Apart from, like, I don't know. Her spiritual home is that moment when she's extracting money from a hapless victim. <laughs> I don't know. Um... So, uh, well, people, people in chat talking now about, um, about the ins and outs of animation. Again, we have a lot of artists, uh, and some people with animation experience that have frequented our chat and they're providing a really good perspective on this. So if you're listening on demand, get involved, be in the live stream, be on the, watch the YouTube you can see on the YouTube video the chat. The chat is archived both in YouTube and on our video itself. So get in, be reading this chat. It's good stuff. Um, so yes, Kanamori works in mysterious and kind of violent ways, as Sophie the Bookworm says. She shows up at the bus stop and says, "Come, children, and eat with me. Uh, it is my treat." Uh, because... Why did you make us sound like the the witch from Narnia? <laughs> <laughs> Come, children, eat with me. It will be my treat. Yeah, here's some, tur- here's some <laughs> Turkish delight. Asakusa. Right, it's a Turkish delight. Um, so, uh, it's Kanamori's treat. Uh, and they t- she takes her to a place that uh, takes them to a place rather that smells like uh, gasoline and looks like a shoe store. I'm, <laughs> but I'm it's sorry, like a but that's, that's my per- that's my kind of joint. <laughs> Like I'll, I'd love to go to a bar that smells like that. Um, dives are sometimes the best places to go for food and drink. I tell you, I'm not lying. Yeah, um, totally. I d- dives are stupendous. I love them. Um, so, um, yeah, like I said, so it's kind of more a treat, right? Because. Uh, and they're like, why? Why are you doing this? Well, she says, but well, it's basically the only thing to do because I'm going to have to ask you to work such like long, shitty hours. <laughs> I'm like asking forgiveness on the front end. Uh, you'll, you will work this off. Um, believe me. Can we also uh, know, by the way, the amazing, like, I mean, we know that Kanamori is resourceful, but so uh-huh. resourceful is to use her glasses to tie up her hair. So that way it doesn't end up going in the ramen. Incredible. <sighs> Yes, and then she doesn't even use it. Cause, uh, but but this is a great scene because, uh, like I said, the ladies order their ramen. 
and uh, it turns out that Kanamori has procured a PC for an insanely cheap, or as As uh, Asagso puts it in the Crunchyroll subtitles, thuggishly cheap <laughs> uh, price. Because apparently the the information does, does also say at some point I can't accept food from the Yakuza or something. Yes, she. Does. I mean, this is one of the great yeah. things about Azuka. I just love the banter between them. Like it's we tremendous. we all have a laugh and joke about Kanamori, but I like that the characters are getting in on the acts as well. That's super neat. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, So just to reiterate for people that are listening by podcast, people in chat are basically saying, yeah, the amount of labor that Mizu talks about being expected of a pro uh, is an insane amount of labor. So not only is the pay bad, but the pay is bad for labor that is um, uh, outside the realm of reasonable expectations for a normal human being for for a person um and yes oh sophie makes a good point that when uh, they go into the the noodle shop and you see the lady's shoes next together you see kanamori's being very worn down because she's out and about she's getting shit done she's on the move right <laughs> she's always on the knocking way on doors, to the... knocking heads together that's right exactly <laughs> uh, no i i am getting correct i'm sorry when i said knocking on doors and knocking heads together i actually meant to say Busting doors down mm-hmm. and knocking heads together. Yeah, there kicking indoors. I, I, I apologize for my uh, error. I will correct it for the future. So, uh, Kanamori explains to them that there's a club or an information research service, something like that, that like basically builds a new PC every. <laughs> Did she say every day? I think she says mm-hmm. every day, and like throws out the old one, no matter how powerful it was. Not, not so... every day, in the same way that you don't do five hundred uh, thingies. Oh. <laughs> Everything's on a daily basis for you, Doc. <laughs> well, is it every day? The, what does she say every week? About not even PC? every week. I just think I just think it's every so often when they do a new bit. I think she said every day. Check check that. Check that line. Oh my I'm... god! <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm going. I'm going. Okay. So anyway. They have procured a powerful PC for an extremely cheap price. Um, Kanamori is the best, Jessica. She got them this computer, and they'll be able now to have a much more efficient workflow in their space. And now that this job is done, uh, and she's surrounded by the presence of friends with the just wonderful, you know, uh, savory aroma of uh, ramen floating into her nostrils she falls asleep and it's a beautiful thing to see her like able to have a moment's respite it's the Um, first time she slept in approximately six weeks (laughs) i get i I get the feeling i get the feeling as much as she said previously indeed the line is referenced that i sleep very well i also get the impression that kanamori can just choose not to sleep because it's inconvenient yes yes she you know um Oh, what's his what's his face from Kado? Uh, oh Jesus! What's his name? Which one? Yasushina. Yasushina. I can't believe I remember that off the top of my head. <laughs> why am I? Oh my god! Why is my brain so polluted? Kanamori has like has the second gift oh, to humanity. Oh shit! You're <laughs> right. She, so she doesn't have to sleep. <laughs> she can just. You know what is it? What is that like? Do you she clones herself or something like that? Or there's like you know multiple selves in multiple dimensions that like yeah, some of them know, are sleeping for her in this dimension, so she doesn't I, have to I sleep. Know, 
I know the answer to this question, <laughs> and I'm not going to answer it. Can we just, can we just continue, please? <laughs> this is delighting me. <laughs> oh, mm. I like to bring up Kato. It's funner than bringing up Babylon. Oh, um, yeah. Don't even. That right, one I'm is calm. like just I'm horrible, I'm horrible, zen. dark, tor- terribleness. Um. Anyway, 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 anyway. So they leave, and in an incredible moment, again, this whole thing is predicated on Kanemori saying, I'll pay for you because I'm going to work you to the bone. So as they leave, she's like, Well, we have to split the check. She really is running an animation studio. Because <laughs> I, I make a point, I make it a point to never carry more than $10 on <laughs> more than a thousand yen. And it's like that. I, I feel like you could that's you could file that away in your case, building a case that she is actually an organized crime person. <laughs> oh, what a great rule! Anyway, did you find out if the PC build was oh, daily? Sh- uh, my apologies, Doc. Uh, let's have a that's look. okay. That's okay. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, so storyboards are the next part of our discussion. We see the storyboards that have been worked on by, um, Asakusa. And, uh, we get to, we sort of start seeing them in a very basic kind of, uh, drawing style. And then we slowly transition into the greatest world because you hear that, you know. Can I point something out? Yeah. Um, I will need to go back and check the actual frame that Asuka shows like to them directly. But once mm-hmm. we do go into the greatest world, you'll know all of the staff who are working at this like underground uh, nerve light center, if you will. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, like they're all eating. And by the way, yes. wonderful, <laughs> li- wonderful. Like... I mean, wonderful little in joke on the part of the scripts already, and this is really neat. But they're eating crab, and bear in mind what the villain mm-hmm. of the piece will be. That's a nice that touch. I like great. that. But I Good do wonder stuff. if this eating thing is an ad lib just because they happen to be in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure. But I'm sure, like you know, that it's actually on the frame um, of the very first pal, which we see in shot right before them. Quincer. But anyway, I just found that really neat. I thought I was like, Haha, "That's cute. I like that." Um. Yes, I totally, yes, completely agree. Um, so, yeah, we see the difference between the imagination and the actual storyboards. Really funny. Um, the, it's funny also that the battle gets like one one frame in the storyboard. You know, she's like devoted all this time to like them eating Mm-hmm. And the launch of the robot and everything, and at the end it's like, and the robot comes and beats the crab tool, and it's over. <laughs> and I, I have all. two other things I want to add that I think are really cool. Uh, first off, like for those of you who don't listen to our after hours podcast, uh, I recently waxed lyrical about my love of Thunderbirds, and this whole like sketch of the robot game launched felt to me like the Thunderbirds launch sequence. At that kind of build up to something amazing about to happen. Like, it's what we discussed in our previous episode. And secondly, I have a feeling that uh, Askuza's point of reference here is actually perhaps old Godzilla films because this is mm. a weird thing to pick up on, but note that they've got a rosary phone. 
full yes. front and free. Uh-huh. Like this is very clearly from like the seventies <laughs> or something. And again, cute little detail. I like that a lot. Love a love a kaiju reference. Um, run to the payphone and call <laughs> the robot. Robot oh, people. Uh, and we get like the music and sound effects are done by Asakusa, so they're really great uh, in in this scene. Um, so uh, Felix Sakuka Daichi says, Asakusa's storyboard rivaling in my sheets with how rough they are. Yes. <laughs> I, totally, yes. Imaishi <laughs> um, yeah. does crazy shit, though, can't complain. He does. He does. So it's probably like a lot of. He's probably quite similar to Asakusa in terms of like, well, it's all in my brain. And <laughs> he's probably just way better at her. And he's a grown man, so this is, of course. But he's probably just better than her at like communicating his vision uh, to his team, which uh, she struggles with, as we will see Indeed. in a moment. But um, uh, Kanamori, of course, has an issue with the action being so uh, thin <laughs> in, in the storyboards. And uh, Asakusa's like, well, I don't do action. It's tough. And But so enter Mizusaki, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so she's going to do the action, and she shows that she's been doing some independent work on it, and it's awesome and badass. And reminds, You know what it reminds me of? It reminded what? me of the OP for uh, One Punch Man. A little mm. bit, particularly the close-up shots. That kind of like imminent impacts. Maybe I'm sure there are other get, examples uh, we could cite, but yeah, that's the thing that just immediately pops mm-hmm. to my brain. Maybe they'll get Jam Project to do their OP. That'd be pretty sweet. Um, I, I would, I would be hard. entirely okay with that. Oh yeah, I mean, there's a great YouTube video out there. Jam Project goes with everything, and it's just an old math video. Uh, about triangles that's the footage is just like showing what a triangle is and different kinds of triangles but over the top of it is jam project music it's fucking great (laughs) (laughs) um so uh but yeah sophie they they do definitely show really good um uh, they have a good dynamic their team uh, their skills complement one another uh that's why they work really well together their personalities and skill sets are different, but in a way that help lift each other up and compensate for each other's weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So yeah, the service research group is the one who tosses, and I wrote down, tosses their computer every day. Um, have <laughs> you? Have we verified this information? Uh, I, ke- I keep I keep missing that line as we go along. Uh, look, I'm not actually going to debate. I reckon you. I'm just going to leave it to be right. I want to imagine there's a full pristine Ryzen powered. AMD full fat computer with water cooling. No, in fact, it's in fucking oil. It is an oil immersed <laughs> computer. Is, I want yes. to imagine it's that powerful, like 32 gigs of RAM. You know, all the bells and whistles, um, and they just casually throw away every, every day. It Why it not? has to happen. I, I feel. I mean, like... I mean, with what we learn in a minute when Kanamori meets the student council uh, member again, the one that you know is she's clearly fighting, but not fighting, if you will. Yeah. All of the all of the uh, clubs are doing something on the on you know on the slide that's uh, a bit suspect in the most amazing like still frame of this show thus far. I was dying reading this bit out. Okay, so I'm I'm hearing it now. Uh, let's see. Oh, they just say every time it happens. You're right. Why did I think? What is the matter with my brain thinking these things happen every day? <laughs> oh my god. Every day is anyway. night. That is the tune to most of our podcasts, to be fair. 
So, like I said, we get the we we had the Kanamori falling asleep scene, and uh, it's really good because, like I said, we get her having some respite. But then, when Asakusa says that it's their goal to complete their project, she's just like boom, bolts, sits upright, and she's like. Rah, rah, rah. You know, no completion isn't our goal. It's a predetermined fact about this project. Like we basically like don't try to finish this. We are going to finish it. Like we are. It's happening. What matters I mean, all, is the of, details. All the sagely advice that she could give. I didn't think she'd be you know quoting a tiny green puppet, but hey, here we are. <laughs> so, um. Then we cut to, as you say, the student council bit. I, I what a insist scene. <laughs> on reading. I insist on reading these out. Okay, okay well, so... let, me, let me set the scene really fast, and then you can read the club names. So, uh, Well, you know what? You were about to say, why don't you? Because I've been talking for a while, so All you right. set the scene. So, uh, Kanamori and her rival, you know, the Kirin Satsuki to her Ryuko Matai, if you will, her, the yep. Virgil to her Dante, I could go on. <laughs> Uh, you know the Mario to her Luigi. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they're not rivals. War, or you are know, they? Uh, depending or on who you ask, especially in soccer. But anyway, that's <laughs> a different matter. Yes. Street soccer, no less. Cart but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, um, they're having a discussion, like you know, about we just want to make sure you're spending the budget wisely and not on any random stuff. And Kanamori, of course, like I said, you know, you might as well be chewing on concrete trying to challenge her. Don't waste your fucking time, seriously. Uh, but we get. An insert here um, of all of the uh, violations that the various clubs have been uh, having. And it's funny that I reference Kill the Kill because in some way I wish all of these clubs were Kill the Kill club members and they were like the cut content for all the various like, you know, <laughs> people wearing ultimate uniforms. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go from the top. So first off, we have the Akihabara Culture Group and Fermented Foods Advocacy Club. Their crime? Odor complaints. <laughs> Next a lot of up, fermented foods. Next up, the Drone Photography Club. Invasion of <laughs> privacy. Of course. That of course. seems logical. The Messenger Pigeon Club, or Pigeon National <laughs> Club, uh, Forgery of School Documents. <laughs> the Carbohydrates. Messenger Pigeon Club. Why? I don't know. <laughs> uh, the Carbohydrates Revolution Lab. Dangerous protest activities. Why do they exist? I thought that they were voted down. I thought that they would, were not allowed to exist. What happened? I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the Sound Club ignored orders to vacate. They're the tamest, as it turns out, they're plot relevant. Uh, the Lure Appreciation Club uh, prohibited minute, deals. Wait. Lure? Like a yes. fishing lure? <laughs> yes. Ah. I don't know. Like, Do they take a £10 note, put it on like a little line, and just start dragging it along the floor for students to follow? Answers on a postcard, folks. In fact, I'll put up a poll about it once yeah, I finish please. relaying the rest. Uh, oh, God. This next one, like... Well, I don't watch Legend of the Galactic Heroes, so I'm probably going to butcher my German here. Uh, Hart Club. Uh, noise complaints, ironically, compared to the Sound Club. Uh, saw Table Tennis. Destruction of Equipment. Uh, Man Face Fish Investigation Lab, or what might otherwise be the Shape of Water Group Watch Club. Incitement of other students. And the exterior club. Excessive spending on renovations. <laughs> I mean... This is just great, honestly. This, this... 
I mean, the Saw Table Tennis, I wish I could see them in action. I'm like, what is that even... How... <laughs> what is that like? I can't picture it. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to know. Uh, no, I rather... No, rather, I do want to know. I just hope that, you know, it doesn't end, like, badly, because that's a first aid instant waiting to happen right there. Four... Ah, oh, jeez, my hand! God. So the reason this is happening, like you said, is that like the student council is saying we have to have, uh, how do you call it? Uh, we, we, if you spend your budget, like we have to have receipts, basically. We have to know what you are, uh, what you are spending the money on uh, because it's been an issue in the past. As you can see, we have clubs with all these problems. Um, so... Keep, keep in mind that you pointed out that the sound club uh, needing to vacate uh, is an issue because that is coming up now in the very next scene. Um, cut to uh, Kanamori wandering the hall to sound labs one, two, three, and four. And she finds the, uh, the first one with the blue door. And she is able to get a foot in the door, as it were, and then muscle her way in. And uh, put the lean on the kid, the one and only member of the sound club, um, and basically lets him know that, like, yeah, uh, you're disbanded, you're a problem. Um, boy, it'd sure be a shame, a sh- shame rather, if all these uh, records, these sound effects files, uh, had to be sold off or, or had to go away like what a incredible collection um boy uh oh wait a minute asaka so you're here why don't you talk to him about the situation we at the film club have with our sound effects oh we don't have any <laughs> so we need them so basically she forces him into um helping them with all of their projects uh in exchange for like allowing him to slowly whittle down his sound library and slowly move things and not have to like be sort of out of the, like not evicting him by close of business, basically. Did, did you enjoy Kanamori's uh, The Shiny moment, by the way? <laughs> I really did. Here's Kanamori. <laughs> yes. Uh, here's Sayaka. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> God. Um, but yeah, that whole thing was a treat because I really like the sound guy and how, like, he's just as passionate about like another you know, multi-ethnic character as well. Sound- like, kudos mm-hmm. says for being consistent with that. Totally. Um, but uh, he looks like he's from the same place that um, he he looks exactly like. Uh, oh man, who's the turtle girl in uh, in Love Hina? You remember the girl with the flying turtle around her? Oh. <laughs> look you uh, remind me of Because they look so much alike. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> you could have said B, B from po- the newest Pokemon. That's true. That's you, true. Had, you had to... <laughs> Uh, which which hand gesture do I want? How many fingers do I want to use here? Truly, that's like the, the great debate of my mind right now. Ugh. There's no debate. Uh, oh, God. I'll give you the twins later. Give me, you just want to give me the thumbs up for my anime knowledge and acumen. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going Roman Emperor on me. No. Love Hina in 2020. Oh, God. The Love Hina 2020 remake would be abominable. <laughs> as as was uh, Love Hina in 2000 or whenever it was made. Um, so... Moving on from uh, from that, uh, if you want to hear us talk more about Love Hina, go back and listen to our Christmas in July, was it? From a couple years ago with uh, the Third Seat by the Window people where we talked about a couple of Ken Akamatsu movies, uh, including the Love Hina Christmas special. <laughs> it was terrible, dude. Not the podcast, but the Christmas special. The, the podcast was quite fun. Um Holy Lord, though. <laughs> that movie was awful. <laughs> God. Um, Please continue. Okay, you <laughs> was waiting for you to talk. Uh, okay, so yeah, well, I, there's a great treadmill scene when oh, uh, the girls are demonstrating the paucity of their uh, of their sound library. Uh, you, you see, you know, Asakusa walking on myriad different surfaces, but the same exact sound effect for footfalls on grass as it is like a stone paved road to, you know, space. <laughs> like if he, she, she, he is so pained by it. He actually physically vomits, <laughs> which is kind of incredible. Um, and, uh, and in my next two words, I have in my notes are Kanemori extortion, which happens, which we talked about. Oh, that's um, just, that's just what she does in every day. ending with a letter Y. I'm sorry. That's just what she does on every day, ending in the letter yes, Y. Exactly, exactly. She is all about that uh, vibe check uh, pay up. So, boy, I love. The next... oh, by the way, um, I love by the way that the music, this sound room here, uh-huh. actually has its own unique theme as well. Mm-hmm. We haven't heard that's that's music before in the yeah, run thus far, and I thought that so was good. really cool. Really, really good. I like that song a lot. Uh, so the next few scenes are actually pretty important. So we have, um, I, I will try to like describe them only because I know I'm, I'm sure that we have plenty to say about them. So Asakusa has to explain her vision to the art club. You know, she goes to them and she's got to articulate her vision and her feelings, uh, based on her storyboards and I mean she's they been, have a you lot know, of questions yeah I mean she's been interrogated by Velma and that's you know always a challenge oh, oh my glad god glad to see she's still getting work after the mystery it is anime Velma that's incredible <laughs> that's fantastic once, once you see it oh you can't unsee it man and she just will not stop smiling um you can't throw her off her game um, but it's really yeah, tough no, for no, no mention of Jinkies once disappointed <laughs> if I must say so myself oh my god so <laughs> I think I've broken Doc's braid and that's well, good I've got my revenge for the various shitty shows he's brought and yeah. made me suffer for so you know what mission <clears throat> accomplished so there was a lot of meta humor about like the Hanna-Barbera cartoons 
by that studio themselves in like the late 90s like they would have a crossover on different shows and when you said jinkies all i could think of was the cartoon character johnny bravo saying what's jinkies some kind of breakfast cereal and he oh, has a great God. like what's jinkies some kind of breakfast cereal he's the sounds like an elvis impersonator um and there was also an amazing are you familiar with harvey birdman attorney at law are you a failure are, are you familiar with harvey birdman attorney at law no, um, I need to spice something out, though. When you mentioned Johnny Bravo, it just hit me that Johnny Bravo was the very first reply guy to ever exist. <laughs> he sure was. That's, that's oh, a fact. Dark, dark um, times there. But, uh, so, Scooby-Doo has an incredible appearance on, on Harvey Birdman, I have to say. Like, because he and Shaggy get pulled over because they're obviously high. <laughs> Because the mystery well, machine shaggy. smells like, like drugs. <laughs> well, they're just laughing the whole time, which <laughs> you know what I mean. Which is a great indicator that they are, are totally like just on one. <laughs> it's a great episode. Um, oh man. Anyway, I really like that show. But uh, from euphoria to anxiety, because uh... <laughs> God damn it, Sophie. Throw me off my game. Johnny Bravo was a, uh, a, uh, the one being impersonated by Elvis. <laughs> Man, that's uh, where I am from. People will be very mad <laughs> at that statement. But anyway, digressions. That's what we do on this show, digressions. The show really is the digressions. Um, from uh, relaxation and euphoria to anxiety because... This is what Asakusa is feeling. After explaining her, or attempting to explain her vision for a long period of time to the club, uh, we see Kanamori, who is with Asakusa, come back to the Eizoken building and say to Mizu that Asakusa has to reoxygenate her brain after being an extrovert for so long. And I mean, I have to do that too, but most of the time that's usually because I'm just really, really drunk. Okay, fair. Um, and we see our little gremlin, as you often refer to her, digging around in the dirt, uh, hanging out with the grasshopper, drawing stuff, basically being adorable and like trying to recenter herself. And then she starts questioning herself. You know, what if, uh, what if this group doesn't like this or? What if the robot not having this feature makes people mad? Like, um, you know, what if, what if, what if? And she basically comes back to the clubhouse and says, uh, yeah, we can't do this anymore. And Kanamori has to verbally slap some sense into her. One uh, of a small detail that I really like, because this episode is chock full of them, is when um, Askuzu is like going into detail about the design of this new vehicle, which I'm going to be honest... It's not good. I mean, it looks fine. It's a bit shit. <laughs> it is a bit crap. Like, But the thing is, I'm not saying that that's because she's a crap ass, but rather just because she's cooking up something as kind of like a reflex, yep. you know, if you will. Yeah. So it's understandable. But um, when Kanamori intervenes, she literally is gigantic-sized in the greatest world, like a kaiju, which is great. I love I that visual. I mean, 
it even kind of shows it's be the enemy, if you will. Which she has to be sometimes. Like that, as has been noted by others, Kanamori in this show often plays the role of the bad guy to get things done. The bad guy get things done. Toothpick. All you '90s wrestling fans understood that. Um, yeah, Kanamori has to verbally slap some sense into her, and we'll talk about the specifics of that later because they're really great. Um, and, you know, the show basically comes to an end with, uh, Kanamori saying, Asakusa, honey, you do you. And as Tyler Durden so famously once said, let the chips fall where they may. And, uh, then we are shown Asakusa hustling again. Her motivation switch is flipped for the second time this episode. And she draws a whole bunch and she's redesigned the robot again. But this time the interior has been redesigned and the other two are pumped up about it. Episode over. And that is it. So, whew, there's a, that's a lot. A lot happened. Uh mm. And where do you want to start talking about uh, it first? How do you right. want to approach I, this? I've, I've got a few. Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into a big one first, uh, which is big not actually one. to do... Big one. Big. Everybody on. Talking part. No. I'm going to talk, firstly, about this entire show itself, because there's something we need to address that I've kind of like touched on a little here and there. Which is, this was originally a manga, and, you know, right. many times throughout anime's history, there have been shows that had an origin point in manga that only really came to true popularity or critical acclaim when they became anime. I think that's not unreasonable to say. But I truly think that this particular material absolutely had to be made an anime in of itself. Mm-hmm. And that at first was, in my opinion, just because it is a show, or rather a story, about the creation of anime. So it gains that meta element, that like, you know, self-reflective aspect or attribute just by becoming an anime. Like, you only need to make it, then that's already true, which I think is really neat. But there's one thing that a manga definitely cannot do that an anime can unless you literally start turning into like a children's playbook, which is sound. Because there's one of that's one of the big things that this episode goes into, which is about sound and how it's used. And I have to say, the person who wrote the manga, like, that treadmill concept is just genius. Yeah. I've said before that you could probably teach, like, you know, stuff with this show. And I really do think you could do it with that treadmill idea. I think that is brilliant. And the funny thing is, though, is that when you think about it, have you ever, consciously, viewers at home, or listeners wherever you may be, watched an anime where you paid, like, specific attention to footsteps when it's just normal walking. I certainly probably haven't even noticed. It's one of those things that makes you realise if it's executed right, you will never, ever see it. It'll never happen. You you know, you'll yeah. never, like, consciously think about it. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But yeah. the honestly, like, the, the, tre- the treadmill idea to me is such a genius concept, it's actually kind of astounding. It's one of my favourite moments from the show just because of how well it visually articulates something that is oral in nature. 
I'm legitimately impressed by it. I mean, heck, do you know what? I know it's going to sound strange because I'm often fond of tangents on this show and coming up with oblique references, but it reminded me, curiously enough, of the original Half-Life. Because, like, you know, there's very distinctive footstep sounds in that game when you're walking across certain surfaces. And yet, that's the first time I'd ever thought of it in those terms because I had never been consciously aware of it because it just works. Like, someone had put the time into thinking, hey, we have to have different footstep sounds walking over different materials. But here we are. And I thought that was super, super neat. So I just really wanted to point out first as a real strength of this episode that that was actually, you know, the point where, hey, it's gone from the manga where, okay, we can describe the sounds, but obviously you won't hear anything. Mm -hmm. But now we can do that with the anime and we're going to make the material actually really pop as a result. This is why this material, like people have said like, you know, Masaki asked to turn Eizuken into an anime. He's like, okay, I guess I will. Why not? But... It really goes to show scenes like that, that this did need to become an anime because there's so much that anime can accomplish that manga cannot. And it's ironically in the process of trying to make us understand how anime is created. It's crazy uh-huh. when you think about all this shit. It's mad. But I love it for that. And that scene is just... Love it. I uh, I only consider sound design, in, like just reflecting on my personal experience here. I'm not saying this is what anyone should do. But I find myself only considering it when I'm dealing with like science fiction anime or there's some kind of like, I don't know, like Resident Evil 2, something's chasing you, right? And the sound of where it is is really like important to the moment to moment experience you're having. Or like I can think of like, I don't know, like modern Gundam shows, like hmm. the sound design of how laser fire gunfire sounds the robots walking around or the laser swords igniting you know really like uh imaginative uh worlds and kinds mm. of sounds that's when i have keyed in on it in the past and been like oh my god the sound designer uh but like the sound design in like a really ordinary sort of show where it's just like walking and or, or, you know, something like, uh, I don't know, Orange. Did you pay attention to any of the sound design noise? I sure didn't. And that's just, just people walking around and the hum of background noise and students interacting. But, like, you know, I think that that, like you said, um, goes to show that the job went really well. And isn't it funny how the nature of some jobs is, like, you know that you're doing a great job if no one says anything? Yeah, <laughs> like that's the best possible outcome is not it's to a, get it's like such, lauded. It's such an unfortunate position to be in, though. Like where you do things so well that no one cares. Yeah, unless you fuck up, that's the only time anyone will say anything about your. I work. mean, they did have comedy sound <clears throat> effects in, to be fair, uh, for the role <laughs> fight. But, but hey, again, I, I get that. And you know what's funny? I'm I'm going to tell a small anecdote here. Um, I have a friend of mine who actually did uh, film studies when he was in college. Um, And at the time, he actually, when we were about to go out drinking one day in Manchester, he said, hey, here's what I've been working on. And you want to know what he did? He was actually doing a project where he was told by the tutor to take a clip from a film of about approximately two minutes in length. Any film of his choosing, really. Take all of the audio out and put the uh, audio back in using his own sound effects. And the funny thing is, he was not allowed to use professional sound libraries. He had to basically create all of his own. Oh, wow. <laughs> a lot like the Ace. So the actual clip that he did 
um, was of one of the fights from the Robert De Niro film Raging Bull. The boxing match, specifically. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And do you know what he did? He actually started, like, punching um, a cushion, not too dissimilar from the ones uh-huh. I have over here, and recording him close to the mic as the sound of, like, like that, right. of someone being punched in the face. And it actually sounded very authentic. Cool. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, like it just remind that scene reminded me of that as well. That you know they are working within limited, um, you know, resources here, and it's great that they've got the sound library. But it's true that professional sound libraries, while they exist, are not easy for the layman's access. Like the BBC, for example, has a professional sound library. But good luck getting a hold of that unless you are literally working within the corporation. You've got no chance. Uh, I can attest to the fact that when I've been doing stuff for the podcast in the past for skits and stuff, uh, I've had to source so many different things. Heck. I even once, when we did, so you talked about Orange, I did a skit uh-huh. where I was reading a letter uh-huh. and I actually recorded, <laughs> I actually yes. recorded at high volume me throwing a piece of paper at the wall to get what was necessary. Yes. But I, I love how like this show, like it goes to show like it is an indie production and they are having to beg, borrow and steal to make things happen. But even these little things that you might otherwise think about are so vital. And I imagine that going forward, like you might become a little bit more cognizant of audio, even just you know run-of-the-mill shit like footsteps yeah it's crazy because you'd never think about it otherwise (laughs) helping us become better critics azerkin (laughs) finally we will do a good podcast for once (laughs) oh not even not even kanamori can make that happen so uh okay uh my first talking point um i have a couple so i guess um I can combine I can combine two of them in, into one because they're basically uh, the same scene, just different parts of it. Uh, I found the I, I found everything after she was, or no, even during when Asakusa uh, is talking to the Robot Club people. Like from there going forward, I found all the content like really, really amazing. Mm. Um, and boy, I just like related really strongly to Asakusa yeah. in that room, mm. trying to communicate her vision because I, um, I have, I have struggled to be a good pitch person before. I am shit at it. <laughs> it's really difficult um, and it's it's difficult like to me the, I, I think something i need to mention is when you're talking about that discussion with them the, where they're having the meeting with the art club the exact same conversation happened between askuza mizuzaki and kanamori at the start of the episode it's no coincidence they're going over the same thing and you can see how just with a change of audience yes like from an in-group to an out-group who you're yes. otherwise unfamiliar with it's just all the, the house of cars just goes it's gone yeah, getting random people or people that did not help you come up with the idea to like see your idea through, see that like how it logically fits together, and see like not just understand how it can be good and affect an audience, but even understand what it is. Like, just they have to interpret it. You know, there's interpretation going on and there's like. I don't know. It requires uh, a, a lot of uh, skill and effort to like communicate your vision to people 
in a way that like they will understand it and also be able to get on board with it because there's mm. two different functions right because like they could uh, getting people to understand it is, is hard enough but then they have to like buy into it and be like oh yes this is a thing that we want to do um and it was hard because i was for a short time well not for a short time for a period of time at my job um i was uh like social media manager person and um when i started like before i was the manager when i was just like doing content like other people where i work were like oh my gosh like you need to come like give a talk at this big university-wide marketing meeting because like because your stuff is cool and like you know i would go give a talk on it at like a conference and stuff and so, of course, I was made, like, into a head of that unit. Uh, but then I had to start, like, giving pitches to people above me. And basically, I was just like, don't you trust me and what I've done up to this point? Like, I can't, I can't really communicate to you why this is good because I, I don't really have a degree. It's, it's not what my specialty is in, like, explaining marketing and internet speak and that language and how it works. But I... I know enough of it and I've seen enough of it to like get that it does work. So you should just trust me. And that just didn't go over very well. <laughs> so in terms of like those creative pitches, like fucking hell, man, <laughs> they really suck. And so, yeah. and I hated like, yeah, just the um, being in that room and, uh, and, and trying to, again, like deliver ideas uh, yeah. is really, it- really hard. Um, and it's not even just in terms of the business sense like if i were i mean i am doing a podcast in which i'm trying to relate to you all how enthusiastic i am about this material and hopefully i am succeeding but there are other contexts when i do find that more difficult like if i'm speaking to people particularly who think of anime as the thing that's all tentacles doing awful things to young women because i do know people unfortunately who have maybe not that exactly extreme you know the entire the entire extreme end of that perspective but people who do think of it like you know as a eh, right anime, right know? i mean hell i recently had someone say to me like you know if you ever meet a girl shads please don't tell them straight like in the first <laughs> conversation you have that you like anime and to my reaction to that in hindsight should have been well why the fuck not you know Just well saying. i would i would also give you that advice <laughs> oh for fuck's sake uh. <laughs> We'll have to, we're going to discuss this another time, actually. This is my next after-hours topic, but anyway. Okay. So, um, but yeah, like, I've had difficulty, like, relating shows that I like, even ones I'm really, really fond of. And I think that, indeed, a lot of that is anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. Think of it as particularly in Asuka's case. Like, from what we've seen thus far of her in the show, uh, particularly, uh, I'm thinking back to the opening of episode one, um where we see her when she's younger, I get the impression that her imagining these worlds and drawing has been a very solitary thing. Not in the sense mm-hmm. that, you know, because she's deliberately been exiled, so, but rather just because she's comfortable in her own skin, doing her own thing. And, fun, wouldn't you know, funnily enough, that's how this episode ends, with her engaging creativity, you know, in seclusion, where she's comfortable. Bringing that now out into the fore, like we've seen that a lot, couple of times throughout the shows, run the particularly in episode four, where she is nervous and anxious, trying to relate the enthusiasm that she has for this uh, crazy process and what she comes up with to an audience. 
And I think part of that, in my perspective, is also, you know, like the worry that maybe you don't love it as much as you do. Right. You know, when you yeah. think stuff like, if you've struggled to articulate this way, like you feel self-critical about it, you think like, maybe I can truly articulate why I love this thing so much. Yeah. Now, like, and I, yeah. I, oh boy. So that kind of failure on her part. Um, and I like, man, gosh, Maybe it wasn't a failure, but like just the struggle, it exhausted her. Mm-hmm. And that is co- very relatable content to me as uh, as an introvert. Like it's it's really, really hard to be on um, for any amount of time. And like just that she was there so long working with them. And we saw that it was shaky going uh, mm-hmm. and that they brought up some criticisms that the group hadn't thought of before. And she was having to do things like explain basic concepts to them. Yeah, because they're understandably not, yeah, they're not necessarily intimately familiar with all of the little nitty gritty details. Like, why is this car yellow? Oh, it's it's not yellow because we want it to be yellow. We want it to be a cell. That's the idea. You're good to draw around like, and I'm not going to come down Asuka's with this, but you do have to consider like the out group or the audience that they may not necessarily have the technical knowledge you do. But She's never had to do that before. It's not unreasonable for her to, you know, struggle a little bit with that, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah, all of this, as you say, is super relatable. And you don't even, as I say, need to necessarily have been in a business meeting to have done this, where, you know, you could be doing the driest fucking PowerPoint presentation of your life, or you could be trying to pitch a game or anything you want, or even just, dare I say, you know, standing up in, I mean, fucking hell, standing up in public is, I still think, the biggest phobia, isn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I'm sure we all can definitely relate to that somewhere or another. Like, you know, I mean, hey, I have the luxury of doing a podcast where I do have, you know, a little bit of a one-way mirror, if you will, where I know that we have an audience, uh-huh. but there's no one physically here with me. At least I hope not. Just checking over there? Okay, that's, I'm good. That's, yeah, that's I'm good. just me. That's just but, me looking in your window. It's okay. Shit, you've come a long way. <laughs> all right, you can, off you go. Back on the plane now. <laughs> uh... But, like, you know, the fact that, like, um, she has to decompress Mm. afterward was, like, incredible. Yeah. Like, I was, like, so, um, again, uh, it it was, um, it made me feel, like, a tenderness toward the people that made this episode. That they would, You know they've been there. Show this experience. Like you said, they've been there, and it's, like, this little acknowledgement from, uh, the 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 creators that like you know hey anxiety sufferers like hey deep introverts like Mm. we see you and like you know we know that you have to take extra time or whatever but like you're super valid still and you're talented and that doesn't mean like you're any lesser than the rest of us uh but because but because of all like i also like know that um it's funny, like, he, being part of that meeting from the art club's point of view or from Kanemori's point of view, that could have been a really productive meeting in their eyes. But because it was so exhausting for Asakusa, like, when she came back to the clubhouse, like, she had already been sent into a very anxious state. Like, we need to scrap this whole project. You know what I mean? And, like, for a lot of people, they would be like, well, this is very unreasonable. Like, you know, 
the meeting was good, or even if the meeting was one failed meeting, you don't scrap the project over it, but, like, she is, like, she feels this personal sense of ownership over the storyboards and this anime and this whole production. So it's not just the ideas in the abstract that are getting critiqued and getting reshaped. It's like her own self is out there. She's having to be so vulnerable. Uh, and, you know, it's not just her vision. Again, like this concept, it's like the Alita, like, here's my heart. I put it on the table and now let's like do some surgery on it and I'll explain it to you and trim off a little bit there and add this here and it's like oh my art is being criticized like this really hurts I can't it's really painful even like in these this very safe environment and uh in friendly the friendly confines of the school with Kanamori right there beside you um so I just really, really appreciated all that content. That was I, I found that so like good and um authentic. I hear you on that, definitely. Okay, um I should just point out by the way, we have four polls currently up. I've just put the next one up in the moment, so do feel free to check that out on our Twitter at Warry Desh Show. A uh, couple of silly questions, a couple of more serious ones, you know, I want to get QC involved. Give us your thoughts on that, and do feel free to tweet us if you want to, you know, go into more detail on the questions we got there. Got some good stuff. I particularly want your answers to questions two about the Lure Club. I mean, I've given some <laughs> set answers there, but I will accept <laughs> others. Please keep them coming. All right. And speaking of polls, I'm just going to very quickly put poll number four in our chat, and then I'm going to get on to my final talking point for the evening. Right. So you know, Doc, how you were talking before about your criticism that you had previously of the show where you thought it wasn't balancing, um, you know, its depiction of the harsh realities of animation versus, like, you know, how the characters felt about it. It felt a bit romanticized. Yeah, just... To be very, very specific and try to be concise about my criticism, yeah, that it was that it romanticized it and seemed to rubber stamp the awfulness of crunch uh, and say like, well, whatever that is that you have to go through, it's worth it to get this product made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm about to commit the grievous sin, most grievous sin of all uh, when talking about this show, and I'm going to actually put in a little bit of a complaint about Kanamori. Okay. So, yeah, if you want to abandon the stream right now, folks, I won't blame you. You may, you know, leave if you wish. <sighs> How dare you. Uh, but I am going somewhere with this, and I am also very much of two minds of it, by the way. But here's the thing. I think that, you know, I'm reminded a little bit of how you and I, Doc, actually talked about Askeladd back in Vinland Saga. Because we Who? got so on board. Well, I know. <laughs> Who's Askeladd? Who gives a crap about him? I don't know. It's not like I've got Vinland Saga Volume 5 and 6 over there, which do explicitly reference him. Me as well. I mean, yeah, <laughs> well, there you go. Well, 4 and 5. <laughs> there you go. So, but you remember how we were discussing um, at various points in that show how Askeladd is depicted versus the reality of his actions. In the... Until we get his more sympathetic side of his backstory where it becomes more reasonable for us to understand him, if not... But of course not to sympathise with his actions. We had scenes like him riding on top of the boat going over the... uh, going over the fields. And... How that made him look awesome, even though he's a pirate and he's responsible for a lot of heinous shit. 
and there felt to me like a disconnect between you know how he was presented versus the reality of his actions are you following me thus far yeah yeah i see the comparison sure so with kanamori we have had many a good joke and many a good uh, you know laugh about how she is just awesome she can just she do be. everything. She's unflappable. I've made many jokes about like trying to take her on. It's like, no, I'm on concrete. Good luck, motherfucker. You won't go anywhere with that. You might as well... You might as well try to fist fight a bear. It's pointless. Yeah. You know, I can keep these jokes going all night. There's tons of them. I mean, heck, even before I started this stream, I actually tweeted out that I said, you know that uh, Twitter account of uh, images that precede unfortunate events? That's Kanamori <laughs> coming in through the door of the sound club right there. <laughs> And then we get a scene in this episode, which I liked, yeah. but I'm not sure if it works in the show's favor, where we see Kanamori fall asleep because she is exhausted. Uh-huh. And it's a moment of vulnerability given to a character who thus far has seemed like, you know, invulnerable for lack of a better yep. term. Indefatigable. Unstoppable. <laughs> un- unflappable. Yeah. And then she's right back at it again. And I'm curious if in the similar way with Askeladd, if this is the show's benefit or detriment, where it's like I've said, is it riding the line between being a comedy? Because it is a comedy. Let's not get around. There's tons of funny moments in this episode. Like with Askeladd just rolling through the door when she comes in like, I've got this concept! Oh my god! Like you, yeah. I still don't that. know if I want to call it a comedy or not, but I, let's just, yes. There's, there's too much witty dialogue in this for it not to be a comedy. In it is comedic. Un- unquestionably. Hmm. So here's the thing, right? Like, I am curious if this is in the show's best interest to have her be portrayed the way she is and then have that moment of vulnerability happen at all. It leans a bit too much into the reality of it for a character who thus far has been so unreal in how they've been portrayed. But we are, as I've said before, dealing with an industry here that is very, very, you know, draining on the creators, on the staff involved in it. So it's not wrong for it to even show that Kanamori, despite the fact that she's not doing the animation, is still being worn out in her own way. But it's in such deep contrast to how she's presented throughout the show thus far. I don't know how I ultimately feel if that's a good thing or a bad thing or not. Why would it be a bad thing, exactly? Because the show has presented her, you know, so consistently as this larger-than-life, unflappable character. And now suddenly she's not, but then she's fine again. And I wouldn't mind if this were some other story where it wasn't about an industry that we know firsthand to be that grueling. Because the show pays lip service to it. But is it paying enough? Like, you know, that's my point. It's like dropping that moment in where Kanamori now suddenly is vulnerable is welcome in, in a sense. But to me, it's also like a bit self-contradictory of how it's trying to present the medium and the creative process i don't know hmm. it feels like it's not quite aligned together it's like not quite consistent again on paper i like the idea of her being shown as vulnerable i like that a lot yeah yeah i didn't have a but, problem with it but i, like I just want i just wonder if in the wider scheme of the show and what um <clears throat> and what they're trying to do with like its overall tone in particular if that's to its benefit i don't know Maybe again, this like with what you said is something we need to just see how the show pans out. But you did have, I think in hindsight, a more legitimate concern than I gave you credit for where you said that it was romanticizing things a bit much. Um, Definitely in episode four. That was the, yes. the vibe. Uh, yeah. And I think this is kind of a got. parallel problem to that in mm. that, you know, Kanamori's awesome, just like Asclad is awesome. But is that awesomeness in agreement 
with the reality of their actions? Uh, well, I think to to make um, gosh. So your issue is not that she fell asleep, but that she immediately woke back up and started. That I think was part of it. Yes, started rumbling again. Because I mm. I I like her being human and her trusting her friends uh and her being feeling safe and everything in that moment um you know and i don't know maybe she's just i mean we certainly don't see their whole lives you know maybe she's getting some sleep and this is just a nap this is a power nap and she's you know maybe she's a person that doesn't need a lot of sleep i know (laughs) she doesn't need a lot of sleep or like Um, you know i don't know i mean i um I mean, I, there are people who do it that, was very, but again, if we were to get into the details and the weeds of like how much sleep she needs to function, then it would be getting a bit too real. Of course. Yeah, I don't want to... That's not what I'm trying to, to go down. I guess, like, um, this just seems kind of apart from... But I know it's not apart from the industry stuff, because these folks taking care of themselves is totally germane to that whole patch of problems. I don't know. I guess we'll have to like. Um, I guess like uh, TBD, and we'll see like where the <laughs> character goes because it's interesting. Zofang says that it's foreshadowing she's going to make a mistake, uh, and she's trying to. I mean, she clearly has too much on her shoulders as the producer here. Um, and I mean, she's pulled off stuff that like is. If you think about it, <laughs> I mean, which as we say about the sound element, she's pulled off like you know all the begging and borrowing that. Is quite incredible. Like she's got them a PC, getting a getting a PC like secondhand on that that quickly. Yeah, that's an impressive feat, especially one for the specs they would need. I think when she's, I think all your, um, I think her making a mistake, like Zofeng said, her fucking up will like make the, all this make sense and alle- yeah. alleviate your problem because I'm, this is yeah. like uh, one shoe dropping, and we're waiting for the other shoe to drop in terms of like. These the other girls are taking her for granted in what she does. But that being said, did you not say in one of our previous discussions you didn't want any conflicts between the girls, if all possible? Well, I don't think that, that this think has to lead the... to conflict. You know what I mean? I don't think it. Well, they... she's, gonna make, she's gonna make a mistake, and, and that yeah. will cause problems, which will cause conflicts. It's inevitable. If there's no conflict, then it's not a problem. You can't well, avoid it. Well, there has been. Um... Well, if if that's the, I guess the well by conflict, I think I'm I, I was talking about like the characters fighting with each other and there being mm. drama and yelling and everything. There have been conflict mm. in the creative process. There's there's those kind of little conflicts mm. a lot, it's like you know, it, like get your ass in gear, it. like yeah. oh you you have to go talk to these people. I don't want to talk to these people. You have to like there's like a push and pull there, and. Um, you know, stop working so much, uh, Mizu. Like you have to, like uh, prioritize. You can't spend all your time in the in the weeds. Like, no, I don't want to. Like, animation needs to be hand drawn. I don't want to do auto in betweening. Like, those things I think are those things are fundamentally different than the kind of conflict that I wanted to see avoided. Like, I don't want them to like have like a a personal fight. Um, mm. And I don't. And I think she could make a mistake, and it would be in that within that realm you know what i mean mm. yep i think we'll see but i think it's just i think it's just put a little warning uh bell in my head in much the same way as episode four did with you 
because we do, you know, run the risk of looking at a show like this and, you know, getting, as I said with Askeladd, too excited. And I'm, I know that sounds like the most awful thing to say about it because I fucking love this show, don't get me wrong. But it is, again, dealing with an industry that has historically not been very kind to the people who work in it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Science Sarah and Masakuasa, like, they have that awareness of that. But I'm just curious how much they're willing to lean into it. Indeed, what about the original creator? Did they lean into that too? We, the thing is, like when you say the phrase "paying lip service," there's an inherent like derision to that. Statement. Yeah. Um, and so when I say that this show pays lip service to it, because it has explicitly mentioned, like you know, I'm working like a pro, five hundred things. Like I don't necessarily mean to be derisive, but I'm just then thinking to myself, is it getting into that kind of like border where it's neither serious enough to properly you know, give justice to the fact that these are very real issues facing animators. But it's also then indulging too often in the serious stuff, like with Kanamori, who has, say, has just been completely unflappable at this point, uh, where it now loses being completely, like, silly and unreal and just a straight, as I say, comedy, if you will. It's got a... It's one of those things where I think you might have to pick one side or the other. Well, we'll see if... Uh... Yuasa can walk the tightrope. You know, oh, if anybody he, can do it, he can do it. Right. The night is short, walk on Yuasa. Right, <laughs> for sure. Um, well, may I talk about something that uh, could be contradictory? Speaking of contradictions. Um, yes. I think that this, you might think that it is uh, if you scratch a little bit, but I think if you scratch more, then I don't, I don't think it is. I think that there's a way to resolve. I've, I've, done, many scr- I've done many scratch cards in my time. Yes, exactly. So, um, gosh, how to start going into this. Um, so Cesar in chat talks about Kanamori motivating Asakusa at the end, and that's, that's what uh, I want to talk about because, you know, Asakusa's anxiety is that she, there's no way she can make a robot, uh, a robot anime that ah, would satisfy yes. that would satisfy everyone. Um, and Open, in fact, that's you know true. I'm gonna, pull <laughs> I'm gonna pull all. I'm gonna pull a poll up actually while you're doing this, but carry on, Doc. Sure, because you've just an idea. Okay, uh, and, and that's you know, that is true. Um, and she says, you know, what if other people criticize my art? I can't make something that is perfect. Am I doomed to be, uh, to have to settle for imperfection here? And she says, um, she being Kanamori says, look, you can't satisfy everyone with this premise. Your your art is amazing enough on its own. And all you need to do is you need to worry about drawing things that satisfy you and not worry about this problem or that problem, trying to make problems where there aren't any and anticipate everyone's worries. You draw what matters to you this project is only in trouble if you think it's in trouble it's a great line Mm. um 
And like we all being meaning Kanamori, Mizusaki, and others who were, you know, riding the Azekin's coattails and coming on board the project. Mm. We all think that like we believe in you. We believe that you've imagined something incredible and just draw that. Like be true to yourself here. And this is an incredible, like motivating thing, right? Um, mm. And it's really inspiring. But at first, when I saw it, I was like, hang on just a second. Um, Whoa, hold it, that. Yeah. Isn't, isn't this, <clears throat> isn't, I thought that this was not a, this was not about like necessarily making art first and foremost, that it was about making a product mm. for the robot club or whoever pays mm. you. You know what I mean? I thought this was about like making a deliverable. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we have schedules. That's why there's a project plan. Da, 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 because like, this is not just about you being true to yourself first and foremost, but I think ultimately, I think she's telling Asakusa here what she needs to hear to get through her her moment and and honestly she's also telling the truth i don't think she's lying either because i think what the product is really when you get down to it it is her creativity Mm. it's not specifically this design or that design it's like what comes from her yeah, if if there was if there was anyone else to be doing it, like that's the reason they're doing it because the robot club in themselves cannot, and because they have seen how limited that... they are because they yeah, yeah they are too set in their ways, and they saw like the the proof of concept and they're like we want that like whatever is in that, whatever made that like we want that spirit to imbue a thing for for us imbue an animation with that on behalf of us. And so, well, I think you could be like, oh, like Kanamori talking out of both sides of her mouth. Like, I actually don't think that's so. Again, I think that she's helping her friend. She's telling her, again, she's she's calming her down and motivating her, like getting her through her her moment of anxiety. And also, like her words, again, I think are totally compatible with the idea of like product deliverables because Hmm. what these things fundamentally are is like Mizu and Asakusa, like their creative energy and them as artists put on paper. And if it's not that, if it's some sort of like sanitized version of that, some diluted, like safe version, nobody's going to want that. Nobody. No, no. And, uh, You're going to do with a love Hina in that case. No, <laughs> the the guilty crown, as you've said before. Oh, the God, the marketing yeah, right. exercise. Um, yeah, the, the the fucking how do we how do we sell self insert you know to everyone and also you know cloaking Christian symbolism. So I want to address God, that show was a load of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I want to address something Cesar said a little bit earlier in chat where he said I think the show was never meant to be a serious criticism of the anime industry, more of a celebration of creators. And well, I suppose, if I may just respond to Cesar oh, very quickly. Go ahead. The question, I, the question we should ask, and I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with this perspective, but moreover is, 
take the word serious out. Should it be a criticism of the anime industry in that case? Can it, you know, because it there's no way, as I say before, like with this now being an anime rather than manga, that it can't be self-referential or even a little introspective. And we're all, you know, we're in this world now where we're cognizant of the difficulties animators face and, you know, the conditions that they work in. So can it get away with painting an entirely rosy and cheery and amusing and messy right. picture? Right, yeah. Should it, should it be a criticism or should it, you know, have moments where it critiques that? But then in that case, as I said before, how deep do you go into that? I mentioned on the previous podcast, and I'll bring this up again, I can see an entirely alternate version of Azekin being written by someone else entirely, which is just literally dark, gritty, I'm drinking, <laughs> you know, scotch every night to get through the animation process, and my cigarette ashtray has never been emptied in six weeks. What if it's my like the same... smells like a trash fire. <laughs> like the same um, 15-year-old girls, but like... Memory no, Oshid. I was, <laughs> you know I was I mean? deliberately trying to come up with different, like, I didn't want to mention the kind, but you can see how there's that different version that exists of it that ultimately is about the same thing. It's about the creation of anime. Yeah. But its intent and its tone is very different. And as I say, Ace is 95% of the time lighthearted, silly fun. And that's great. I love it for that. I mean, I still think about the fucking rowboat scene. Completely and utterly unexplained. It's great. I love it. Yeah. But that's why I'm saying, you know, should we... So I just want to ask the question. Should it be criti- critical of the less, you know, rosy aspects of animation and the anime industry? Because there are certainly plenty of them to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if so, how deep does it go in on that? How real does it then be? Because it can't then ultimately keep that tone. <laughs> can it go back and forth between that tone? Is it that skilled of a show? I think so far it's doing pretty damn well. Um, But that's why I felt a bit like... Yeah, about Kanamori, you know, suddenly becoming more human, quote-unquote. Because I think that, you know, if you let her remain as this inflappable character, but then had the other two be the ones who, you know, had the real struggles, not to a great extent, of course, that would still go against the tone overall, I think that there would have been more consistency. So I, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see how things pan out. Yeah. But I'm just saying that there's yeah. things that we need to ask about it and what responsibility this show has towards being honest about the industry. It's very... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and maybe maybe it wasn't. Maybe she Sorry. look. Maybe she just takes naps at that time of day. Maybe that's her deal. Maybe she's not exhausted. We don't know. Um, like I said, to it be was fair, like, I've met people who can operate on two hours of sleep. Yeah. Well, look. Okay, but to to, to for me addressing Sailor's question, I think like if we as critics only talked about like, oh well, here is what the author meant to do. Um. This is what they meant to do, and here it is. Let me explain it to you. Like, I mean, that's just sort of not how art works, <laughs> and that's like really nah. boring. That's like super boring. Um, oh, thank God! For, thank God for that. It's that that very fact that that's true has like saved <laughs> my sanity so many times watching bad shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to say that we shouldn't evaluate shows on all kinds of metrics, including that one. And I think it's really fair i think it's incredibly actually fair to be like okay here's what the show's goals are did it succeed in those goals yes or no like is it a success like that's a way you could talk about it but like also i think it is entirely within you know an audience's rights to be like well um you know anime about the meatpacking industry didn't really talk about like unethical practices like that's really uh an oversight and weird and it mm-hmm. makes it feel really detached from reality, and I can't really watch it without thinking about the real situation. I mean, 
granted, that's not like they're a different kettle of fish, uh, that uh, imaginative hypothetical example I just did. But, um, but we, uh, are, I think all critics, anyone who looks at a piece of ours entirely within their rights to be like, you know, uh, here are some things that are in this art that the artist didn't mean, but they're there and I found them. Uh, because this is my reading of it, this speaks to my experience, et cetera, et cetera. Or here's some things that the artists have left out, right? And I think whether or not this was meant to be just a celebration, and I think it is meant to be a celebration. And I think that if you were looking at the pie chart of like, what what are the goals for this anime? The biggest selection of it will be to celebrate anime and to celebrate the, the, the entire, people. The that entire make it. pie is celebration, and then you know the other stuff is just like the frosting on top. <laughs> right, it's, right. Um, but the question is, is like how big a slice of the pie could be? We don't know because it's not finished. Could the authors uh, and creators rather intend to be a criticism? And again, even if they don't intend it, I think we have to talk about it. But mm-hmm. but I feel like that they're tipped, whether or not they meant to, like they're they're stepping on that line and they're stepping over it. At the end of episode four, and like, I mean, how could, I don't know, how could you not think about like, oh my God, like this is what these, these people, not to say these people in a derogatory way, but like, this is what folks' lives are like all the time. <laughs> like, man, like, ha- like, I don't, like, I could not stop from thinking D- that as I watched. Well, it. well, okay, folks, let's let's um, end the talking point here by giving you. Let's have some homework, if you will. I don't mean to phrase it that way because it's almost the dullest sounding thing ever. And Lord knows, I ain't done any for fucking years. But just a thought to take it away with. Okay, does Azekin? have a responsibility to be honest to a point so two questions I suppose yes and no and if so how far to honest to a point about the realities of the anime industry and the creation of anime and what it can ultimately demand of the creators involved in that have a think on that but hey you know what the fact that it even has me thinking of it is in of itself a worthwhile thing that this show has done so yeah, I can't, well, I can't fault it for that. I will tell you, I don't, I don't necessarily think it does. I don't. Uh, the The phrase "art has a responsibility to blank" like always kind of makes me um, curdle a little bit inside. Uh, <laughs> well, it's got a gun to its head. <laughs> you will talk about this topic. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't want to. No one wants to. We don't want to handcuff handcuff artists. You know what I mean? But um. At the same time, like, you know, you can only, like, walk up to a painting covered with a sheet and, like, gesture toward it and then walk away from it so many times, you know what I mean? Before you, before someone is like, hey, uncover the fucking painting. Like, let, like, let's see what's there. Like, let's talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's a really poor analogy, but, but you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. Yeah, this well, is an I interesting only, question only, you posed. I, I, I only I only say responsibility because of the very fact that we are dealing with... I mean, if this was, say, for example, Macross. I mean, Macross, you know, talks about war and 
war's awful and pop industry and all that sort of stuff. I wouldn't argue Macross has a responsibility because there's so much of that that is estranged from reality, like the future setting and all that. It can touch on those points for sure, but I don't think it has a responsibility. But Azerkin is close enough that I'd argue it maybe does. But then, as I say, as I say, uh huh, you know, if it has a responsibility, there's also a degree to how much responsibility it ultimately has. I'm not saying that because it simply has the responsibility to talk about it, if it, if it does, of course, that it should then go in whole hog on it and be totally grim and gritty and honest about how it destroys the lives of animators and they get no living wage and blah, blah, blah. It can have a little bit of that. Asian can, can have a little responsibility. <laughs> Artists can have a little responsibility. Treat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So just just something to take away there, folks, is something to think about, I, I reckon. And we'll see how the show shakes out. I certainly don't feel like comfortable concluding that, you know, well, this show is propaganda. The state so should was... control what the artists say and do. Definitely. Shadon, you should be head of that. You should be czar of art. And then you get to, the, the, you know. The czars. Uhhuh. Uhhuh. Bizarre. Um, you can honest correct though. It is not in. It's not just the case that it is always you know that the anime industry and animation is torturous or drudgerous or whatever. There are people who work in it because they are genuinely passionate about it. And indeed, there are studios that have historically treated them. You know, some staff. I mean, unfortunately, Kyoto Animation, who are not really the, what they are anymore, of course, for, for reasons that we're right. aware of. Yep. They are historically well known for treating their staff far better than equivalent companies. Totally. Um, hmm. Well, okay, so um, also Sophie... Man, thinking of that made me feel very sad. I'm sorry, God, folks. It's so fucked up. Sophie said only consensually handcuff artists, which I think is something we can all get behind. All, all people in general. Um, Let's just expand on that. Yeah. So Yuki says... <laughs> It's kind of unfair to paint the anime industry and its production as one big pile of pain. People start working there because there is something to love about it. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, it is a different sort of thing to be uh, working in the anime industry versus, um, you know being in a lot of other more horrible situations in this world uh but but uh and i'm not i'm not saying it's all pain all the time but i do think it is uh at its core like on the whole apart from exceptions like you said like kyoto animation um it is an industry that is built on exploitation and malpractice of animators it just is like and it's a rampant problem now some people like even people who are being exploited are not going to be all the time weeping in a pile of their own filth like they're still going to be paid they're still going to eat Stock- stockholm syndrome um, well but, but right but not like even necessarily to that extreme yeah but more yeah like hey i'm i'm i i have enough of this what else could i have what else could i do you know, if you've worked in a job for so long, you might think to yourself, well, I'm, I'm comfortable, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not starving. Yeah. I've got food on the plate and all that. You know, Indeed, I think, um, I don't remember the name of the YouTube channel, but I think you very well might have shared it to me last year. Uh, it was an interview of a lady in Japan who is an animator and was actually living in an anime dormitory. Yeah, um, right. Where her take-home wage, like she had room and board, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, but her take-home wage was peanuts. Yeah. Again, less than the contents of my wallet. And 
you know, she said she was comfortable. She was doing what she liked. Don't get me wrong. But to expand on Yukinon's point, why not both? Why not do something you love, but also be well Of course. That's what I'm saying is like, I don't think, I think it would mischaracterize how I feel to say I think the anime industry is basically standing over artists with like a whip and just beating them all the time. Well, that but, is the case if they're working on a Kikin. Right, right. But is it, um, it are large swaths of it uh, unjust in terms of how they treat their workers? Yes. Well, yes, they are. I have a poll about that, and, actually, funnily enough. That I, the very first one. And I that's up. okay to say. And I, can, and I still love anime. And I still, I want oh, yeah. it to be better. I want it to get better. And I want... Uh, artists to be treated justly and fairly and I know even though they're being treated unjustly in places those same people can still have fulfilling lives and good experiences and like like yes like it's not one big pile of pain some studios are better some are worse some are role models for others like Kyoani um, but uh, many 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 of them are not um, many 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 of them uh, exploit uh, labor and just because it's of something that we love doesn't mean we shouldn't think about it and that we, we shouldn't like want it to to change and there are plenty of reasons to start working i mean people love animation so like it's just that's what makes it sadder to me is like these folks are like you said doing what they love doing but um but they're not being fairly compensated for it because what they do is incredible what they do is amazing mm-hmm. And they I, sh- I could, they should be rewarded. Uh, not a thousand years could I do it, even a fraction of what these people. Totally, do. totally. Um, so, so as as Sophie says though, like capitalist means production, <laughs> eat the rich. I'm going watching Parasite tomorrow anyway, so there you go. Uh-huh. I'll uh, expect me to talk about that afterwards. Um, but yeah, just food for thought there, folks. But um, I'll say by the way, just before we start closing out our discussion of the episode, here, yeah. Um, one of the things I really need to point out that I appreciate about doing these podcasts is that I get access to people who have more knowledge than I ever personally could have about the means of production of shows. Like, like I have to say how invaluable the contribution you guys rule. Are, particularly in relation to the animation process has been. Like, I don't know much about anything, really, <laughs> to be quite honest. My, my experience in a lot of things is limited. And part of the reason I did worry their show... Uh, from the start is to be well firstly to talk with people and secondly to become better educated and i've learned a lot over my course of my time doing so now having the chance to actually have people who are animators and people who can draw and you know understand the labor involved thereof and can properly help me understand it that is immensely valuable to me so please keep talking to us about it please keep telling us your experiences and your perspectives give us the insights that we are lacking yeah I would very much like to have you all continue doing that as we continue for the rest of the show. So thank you all very much for doing that. It's hugely Mm -hmm. appreciated. Thank you, yes, to the artists, animators, uh, and just people with industry knowledge who talk to us in chat here, talk to us in the YouTube comments, talk to us via email and Twitter. Y'all are, uh, why we do this, y'all are incredible. Um, Indeed. But but, um, really quickly here, I want to end on a good and positive note because yes please because, yes because like has been pointed out the show's chief concern is a celebration of anime mm. and the people that make it and 
you know, like we talked about with like the sound designer um, and that whole scene and also the storyboarder slash director in, in the person of Asakusa here, what, what these folks um, do and the magic that they work and, and kind of what their day-to-day struggles can sometimes be is like highlighted here. And that's like, so, so cool. And I'm really happy that this show has like made me, stop and take stock of like am i appreciating enough like these these people and their roles in the process of making what i love i mean and i think it's the show's gonna help me do that to like stop and take notice and remember and, and try to be more aware of of things like sound design. I, I agree so that's such a, a great thing that the show is doing yeah I and mean, i'll add on to that for by the way um let's go back to just to finish off from me like to go back to askuza's like point about i can't please everybody but the thing is that sentiment comes from a very genuine place of wanting to do that to begin with people who are creators um unless i say like you're rob liefeld or alex kurtzman <laughs> or some other wanker that no one like that somehow manages to shit out stuff and gets popular despite all being crap pushing those people aside into the bin where they belong um most creators i'd say even the vast majority of them they want to create great art they want to create great written fiction great comics great movies great shows you name it great video games again unless you're ea in which case (laughs) go fuck yourselves um so that again is something that the show celebrates like the episode ends on kanamori like as you say praising asuka's like you know creativity Uh and not stifling it allowing her to go out and just be in a little bubble outside letting her you know do the thing that she loves because she loves it and so again the show is great for reminding us of that that people do want to create great art and more often than not it's not necessarily the limitation of one's individual talents that stops them from doing that unless you're running an anime podcast (coughs) uh sorry are you you gonna give me the thumbs down no that was just pointing at myself (laughs) Uh, well um but it's not necessarily the limitations of one's own talents, the ceiling that you can reach in terms of what you're personally capable of, but rather just various external factors that can often stop you from going further. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, Aizekin. Yes, thank you so much. And All right. Yeah. I I, I will go through the polls now. Okay, I, I, I had something else to say, but we can... Oh, go on. No, we can do it. It go. was We can do it another time. I feel like we the moment has passed to talk about it, and we'll, we'll probably come back to it. So, And we've... we've past the two hour mark so that's usually when it's time to wrap up so yes Fair refresh enough. the polls for us will do okay so Aizken poll six uh sorry poll six wrong way around you can tell it's late game of numbers wrong way around anyway episode six poll one to you audience member personally does 500 drawings a month as an animator's workload sound excessive okay and there are three options for this 60% of you say yes in terms of poor pay. So if they were paid properly, you'd think that'd be a reasonable workload. 40% of you say yes, regardless of pay. It's too much to ask, regardless of how much they're paid. Okay. Now, granted, you could make the argument, oh, they're paid a million dollars a month. That's more than me. But even then, you know, like, people are only human. You can put as much money as you want on the table, and some things are still impossible. Right. I'm not saying this is necessarily, but, you know... Sure. For some like, like you know, it's not just the, it's not the wage you're earning, but the quality of your work experience that's most more important. Yeah. 
And then 0% of you, thank God, said, no, seems reasonable. So thank you for that. I hope to see that zero remain in place for when we come and visit the well, again next we'll week. See. <laughs> All right. So episode six, poll number two. What prohibited deals were the Lure Club guilty of? <laughs> and I actually had some great fun coming up with examples for this. So please do bring your own, you know, and comment on the Twitter thread for this one if you want. Marvelous. Uh, 11% of you said illegal fishing rods. 11% of you also said fake Pokeballs. <laughs> 33% awesome. of you 33% of you said excessive breadcrumbs. Hmm. You know, the old Hansel and Gretel right, trick. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And then 45% of you said gigantic mouse traps. Ah, uh, the lure I can of totally choice see that for being a thing. Uh, villains everywhere. The gigantic I, mouse traps. I can totally... <laughs> I can totally see that being a thing. Uh, so, poll number three. Have you ever been in a situation where, like, Asuka, you've had to relate a project or pitch or topic of passion to an out-group and found it difficult to do so? Mm. And 100% of you thus far say, yeah, been there for show. With 0% saying, nah, always easy breezy. I'm getting, I'm getting the thing in uh-huh. there. Just got to keep yeah, on brand. Yeah. Uh, poll number four. Is the show sorry? Is the show balancing its depiction of Kanamori as an unflappable queen versus the very draining reality of exhaustion and hard graft involved in project management? Fifty uh, percent of you say absolutely. Zero percent of you say a bit shaky, and fifty percent of you have said something that I feel very proud of coming up of on the fly. I'm a Stanamori. <laughs> Man, I had not thought of that up to this point, but. You know, I have to I'm think about it now. some more. That belongs to me. <laughs> that belongs to me. Okay. For better or for worse, that joke belongs to me, folks. <laughs> and finally, poll number five. If you're an artist or a writer or a creator in general, have you ever felt doomed to failure through imperfection? I.e. that you can't please everyone with your work, even though you kind of feel you should. And thus far, we have 75% saying yes and 25% saying no. Hmm. And hey, if you say no... That's fine. You've actually that's probably better for you because you have a more like pragmatic understanding of your own capability. Something I'm quite jealous of. So good on you for that. Anyway, polls done. Uh, they will remain up for a week. Thank you very much to everyone who's participated thus far. I look forward to seeing more responses come along over the course of the week, and then we'll visit them next time. Uh, should we rate the episode, Doc? Indeed, indeed. Uh, I let's see. I would probably say. That I liked this episode an awful lot, especially the back half. Um, mm. I am going to give it mm, four point five grasshopper chance out of five. <laughs> nice. So I have really, really enjoyed this episode. Like, I, I, it was just great fun throughout. Loads of lovely little details. Like, one thing I didn't mention before, by the way, is when uh, Kanamori is saying how all of the sound uh, clubs, like, records and stuff have to be moved. There's a very deliberate, deep angle of the room making everything look massive. Like, it's a huge space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, perfect tying of visuals to dialogue to make the enormity of the task at hand apparent. This yeah. show is on point with practicing what it preaches i really really like that um in addition i again would be remiss not to uh, recount the fact that you said and i agree with the whole arc of asuka you know asuka sorry um you know having to relate to an outgroup something that she's very passionate about that she has to pitch as kind of a business thing and struggling with that i've been there 
I can yeah. certainly get behind the difficulty behind it. I mean, you can, so I can see it in your yeah. face. Um, <laughs> and of course, the amazing way in which this episode relates visually and orally, of course, the importance of sound design in the most mundane things that you would never notice otherwise. Great stuff. The only, the only niggle, the only niggle I have niggle. is the Kanamori stuff that I mentioned, which may, in the end, not even be a niggle. Uh-huh. We'll see as yeah. the show progresses. So we'll find out. But for my part, I'm going to, again, break with tradition here. I am going to give this episode 4.75 sound design treadmills out of 5. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yep. Broken with tradition there. You know, you can mark your calendars, folks. Like, put one in the tip jar. It's becoming, like, not a tradition anymore. <laughs> it's just... When I like something more than you, something strange is going on. Has someone put something in my Coke, I wonder? I am liker of things. It should be in my bio uh, on Twitter.com, where you can find me <laughs> at The Subtle Doctor. Where can people find you on Twitter if they want to talk to you about anime? You can find me at Shane1010. You can ask me anything and everything. Fuck it. Go nuts. <laughs> Open season, folks. I don't mind. We're all friends here. If you are what are listening to this rather, um, and don't have the video component, you won't be able to see the scrolling by address of things like our our Twitch account or our Twitter or SoundCloud. And if you just Google Water We Just Show with any of the name of those services, we will be up. It's W A R U I D E S H O U. Um mm-hmm. But uh we'd especially like to shout out our Patreon where yes. our lovely patrons hang out. Um, do we have any patron questions, Reezokin, this week? I don't believe we did this okay. week. So um, if you subscribe over there at patreon.com slash show, you can have access to all kinds of bonus content, like bonus podcasts, audio essays. Uh, we do another weekly episodic analysis of one extra show per season. You can get in on that. You can also ask us questions in our Discord um, which we must answer about the show that we are covering. We will. So, and on heart. Yes, indeed. No matter what. Um, and also, uh, our patrons are all rad. So you want to be a rad person? Great people. You just sign we have up. Some, honestly, the ban- the banter in our Discord has been fantastic recently, particularly around Julia. <laughs> it's been some of the most fun I've had, just chatting complete yes. nonsense about a show, <laughs> making shits up on the fly. I like the Jaguar shit is great, and if you don't know what the Jaguar shit is, but you're interested, that's all the reason you should need to sign up. Gain on it. Two dollars minimum. The why not? The Julia Richard headcanon forming in that channel. Oh, it's great. Is really. Something it's else. our collective greatest <laughs> world. It's fantastic. Like, oh, but 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 we um, but yeah, like, and if if you know, if you can't, you know, support us financially, like, I mean, I totally get it. Like, it is not like we do not judge or look down. There's plenty of ways to like get involved totally for free, like this stream, uh, and you can also like. You know, subscribe to us on the uh, service of your choice. You know, YouTube, Twitch, uh, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can get us and leave us a, an old review. You know, give us the old the old five snake. Give us the the uh, the text in there. Like I loved this podcast because of the handsome the handsome hosts, uh, and or, or something like that. <laughs> the lava lamp. 
<laughs> yeah, um, people want the, people love the lamp. Uh, and and such like. And the wallpaper. People fucking love the that wallpaper's shit. good. And I picked that my I picked that myself as well. By the way, the one and only time I've been confirmed to have good taste. It's an inspired choice. Um, Boom. And uh, I had something else I was going to say, and it left my brain. So instead of continuing to look for it, I'm just going to move on and close us out. He has been Shadon, the hardest working man in pod business. I am the subtle doctor. And for Vorgalia and all of us here at Watery Desho, this is us saying until next time, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night. All the best, folks. We'd like to say thank you to our new friend, Maso Soundworks, for allowing us to use his track GPS as the intro theme. And thanks to our longtime buddy, once again, Garoad Music, Michael Kelly, for allowing us to use the track Every Day is Night from Valhalla for the outro music. And a very special thank you to each and every one of our patrons. If you'd like to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash watery show. 